All right, we are rolling on on a Thursday at Cavens Construction, Cavens Construction Group. Call them at 405-573-3048. Mold testing, mold remediation, water extraction. If you have water, you probably have mold. Let Gary and his crew help you out. In Norman Ardmore, Poles Valley, Purcell, the heart of Oklahoma. Oklahoma City, Edmond, Tulsa, Bixby, Jinx, and did I mention Dallas and Kansas? They got you covered. 405-573-3048. Good news. Tomorrow, Hamlin has shown remarkable improvement. Hamlin's agent told the Associated Press this morning that he was awake and able to grip the hands of family members. Uh, that's I return to quote an emotional roller coaster to say the least. I'm eternally grateful to tomorrow's medical team at UC Medical and the doctors that attended to him on the field. Thank you for all of your prayers and well wishes. Continue to keep tomorrow on your prayers. We're joined right now by Joey Helmer from OUinsider.com. I mean, obviously, Joey, we got a lot of OU things to talk about, but what a what an absolute jarring week it's been with the Demar Hamlin story and going back to Monday night and watching this play out in front of all of our eyes. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm telling you, I was sitting down just doing a little work, and I actually was. Um, not watching the uh, the game at the time and um, just got a text from some friends and um, letting me know kind of what happened and I got caught up on it and uh, I just man just was so emotional immediately about it just thinking all the wave of emotions that, that go through your mind with something like that so um, all week I've been thinking about it and praying for him, and yeah, I mean, just absolutely fantastic news that it looks like uh, he's turned in a positive direction here. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely good news. So we'll continue to keep our fingers crossed. So, how was last night on Twitter for you, Joey? <laughs> I'm sure you saw my uh, my. Um, thoughts of everything uh, but I, I was pleasantly um, well I was pleased uh, well rather I think that's right I would say I was pleased to see that uh, Toby kind of had some of the same thoughts that I did I was quite vocal about uh, the atmosphere that Oklahoma played in front of last night and listen I understand that it's beating a, a, a dead horse I'm beating the same drum here but man I mean, this league is absolutely brutal. It's so hard to win games in this league. And, I mean, just what a boost it would have been had you been able to get a couple of turnovers because your crowd was so loud. And that just wasn't the case. But Oklahoma wasn't good enough. I mean, they they just didn't execute enough at the right times to win a basketball game. And uh, that's really disappointing because uh, this is not a start that they could afford in Big 12 play. You had to win uh, one of these uh, first two games for sure, just given how tough it is to win on uh, the road. And I thought in many ways uh, last night was a chance was a chance for uh, Oklahoma to potentially steal a game. Grant Sherfield scores four points, and yet uh, you're right there with one possession, a chance to win a game. So uh, Oklahoma was unable to get it done, and uh, now they're kind of looked at bouncing back, and how will they uh, do so going forward here? 
Yeah, I agree. So before we move ahead to the game, we, we've got much more from Porter Moser still to go. When you laid out your frustrations with the crowd, and, and you're right, T- Toby was, was pretty adamant about it in the postgame. We, we've seen a lot of, of passion both, both ways uh, on the Air Comfort Solutions text line today. What was the common thread? What was the main response whenever you lay out, hey, bottom line here, Oklahoma has the worst home court advantage in the Big 12? What did you hear the most from fans, Joey? Well, I, I heard a lot of people agreeing with me. Yeah, I think it's fair to say, you know, my my phone was blowing up so much at some point last night. I just had to mute the notifications. It was one of those, <laughs> which I never do. But I was like, man, it's just draining my phone battery. So I'm going to have to do this. But, uh <laughs> You know, there were a lot of people that agreed with me. There were a lot of people that disagreed. And, well, and not necessarily disagreed. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Um, came up with reasons why it's the case. And mm-hmm. I, I just – I'm sorry. I mean, I, I understand the Thunder. They were not playing at home last night, by the way. Uh, I, I understand um, – how the landscape of college basketball has changed some, but look around the Big 12, and that these excuses don't really hold up when you can look and see uh, how some of these places like Lubbock or Ames or obviously Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, I still think Gallagher Iba has uh, good crowds. It is a hostile atmosphere, and so to me that just doesn't hold up. I think it would just be really good. It would be really beneficial for Oklahoma to have a true home, home court environment. So there's so many different opinions on the fix, right? Uh, I'm a big believer in just giving away tickets. But then again, I know you can't do that. <laughs> I've just I've, I've seen it. Maybe I have that minor league baseball mindset. But again, you don't have that many home games. So I know you can't give away a ton of tickets. Is it just a matter of of you know being able to do what Alabama has done, which is simple. You gotta be a top five team, you gotta win games. I mean, is it I know that sounds really like like greedy. Oh, they better win games or I'm not going, but is that kind of where we are right now with this, Joey? I think that seems to be the case. Uh, I mean but the thing I will say and I I had people coming after uh my comments last night also saying that well, you know it's Attendance was really good uh, back during the season when Oklahoma went to the Final Four and, you know, sold out quite a few games. And I I just still don't feel like it was all as hostile as it should have been even that season. And so, I mean, winning is certainly an ingredient. I mean, there's no question about it. The style that you play, that matters. Lon Kruger obviously uh, had a – a super, uh, you know, up-tempo style like Jenny Baranchek uh, runs. I mean, that's a fun uh, product as well that should be supported. But, uh, look, Porter's got an efficient team. Uh, I mean, when you look, mm-hmm. they, they are 9-5 and five right now and are in the top 40 in, in Kimpom. So uh, I will also not go for the argument that it's not a good product it, because – that efficiency indicates that it is a good product. So, uh, 
I don't know. I have so many thoughts on the matter. You could probably talk to me for hours about it, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, bottom line though, Oklahoma needs to win basketball games. I mean, they, they have got to win some of these games, uh, for the crowd to show up to. I mean, I think that's fair to say. I agree. I agree hundred percent at Joey Homer, two, four, seven, a couple more and we'll get you out of here. Hey, on the portal side of things for Oklahoma football, well, you know, we'll get to the portal in a second. One other, one other thing on, on basketball, because again, Joey, like I think some of the basketball content that you put out is 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 the best stuff that I read. Where does this OU team on the court, you know, fighting about crowds and and the fan base aside, where do you see this team needing to get better as the season progresses? You know, it, it's just, and I hate to use all these like sports cliches, but it really is just execution in key spots. Like, I mean, specifically early in the game last night, they were really poor defensively. And uh, on a handful of possessions, I lost Caleb Grill. And that's a guy you cannot lose track of. He's going to make you pay if he's wide open. And you know, on the flip side, I think on the other end of the court, Oklahoma at times wasn't strong enough with the basketball. Um, they, so it seemed to me that, and this is something that I actually asked Porter in the postgame, it seemed to me, you know, when you're in man defense and your guy's in the corner, obviously if the ball's on the far side, you're underneath the basket. I mean, that's, that's defense one-on-one in terms of facing, but – they really seem to be playing that aggressively. What I mean by that is they were almost leaving that corner guy open and bringing his defender off for traps on drives down uh, when you know Oklahoma was kind of driving down to the lower uh, baseline area. And that was giving Oklahoma fits because uh, they were trying then to make that cross-court pass and were not able to do it instead of making two or three and – uh, they were trying to skip passing bad turnovers because of it. So uh, at, at times I just think it's an inefficiency offensively because of poor mistakes. It, it just things that they control. And if, you know, look, <laughs> they had well, 13, 14 turnovers. I mean, one or two of those is the difference in the game too. We can talk about the shot off the backboard that uh, clearly was out of bounds. I mean, uh, we know all about <laughs> how important that was. That was two points as well. But any one of those two turnovers, you get a shot up and in, and that's the difference in the game as well. All right, Joey, I'll let you go on this. Yesterday, we uh, we learned that C.J. Colton and Jeffrey Johnson were officially headed to the NFL. And, again, in three guys, Deshaun White, Braden Willis, and Jeffrey Johnson, I'm not even sure that they had eligibility and maybe those announcements were more of a tip of the cap to the fans. But in Colton, we knew for sure – he could he could get a medical redshirt if he wanted to a medical hardship. So uh, we've been talking a lot about that corner position today. Woody Washington's coming back. We assume Jaden Davis is coming back. Josiah Wagner, Bakari Vickers are early entrance. You add Kendall Dolby to the mix. I feel like despite losing uh, a CJ Colton, there's a there's a pretty good deep uh, depth in that cornerback room. There's going to be some good battles there. I would agree and. Uh, I think, and also say that, uh, I mean, you, you love that 
you're going to have that good competition. And and yet, I felt like, you know, when we were asking about all the, the transfer portal and uh, guys in and out of the program, who's going to go, who's going to stay, I thought C.J. Colton was one of the more important uh, guys that Oklahoma needed to keep around. And so it's disappointing from that standpoint. Good for him. Uh, get, you know, obviously always very happy for a guy that he's going to go and uh, have a professional career for himself. But um, it would have been nice for them to have him back uh, just based on the, the season that he have. I thought he was a, a tremendous playmaker on the back end for Oklahoma this year. But um, bright, bright days are ahead. I think – you look at the talent that Oklahoma's bringing in and obviously returning at that corner spot, and then uh, you bring a, a safety like Peyton Bowen in. I think people have watched the tape on him and see how good he is, but they're going to realize quickly how good this kid is. So um, Oklahoma is infusing quite a bit of talent right now. They're stacking it up. and I mean, unless Brent Venables just ends up not being a good coach, I would be shocked if this thing does not turn around really, really quickly, guys. It's exciting, man. It's exciting. All right, buddy. Uh, I know you're busy. Enjoy hoops over the weekend. Keep up the great work at JoeyHelmer247 on Twitter, OUinsider.com, and we'll talk to you again soon, Joey. All righty. Sounds good. Thank you. We'll see you. Now, I, I have talked on – I almost said on, on this here very radio program. This here reporter, Josh – has talked about a handful of receiver targets for Oklahoma, right, in my uh, Google document that I've shared with everyone at the radio station, but only Josh has looked at so far. Thank you. And we've talked and we've talked about, you know, Tyler Broden being a guy that is on campus today, according to his Twitter feed, the Bowling Green product. We've talked about what we know because they these guys have made it public. I don't feel like I need to give this disclaimer every single time, but it's just, you know, trying to point out how tough it is to follow who's going where in the portal, or at least visits wise. But Dorian Singer, the Arizona product with the USC, Dante Cephas, Kent State feel like he's going to Pitt. Rara Thomas going to Georgia for Mississippi State. Trey Harris chose Ole Miss. He was at Louisiana Tech. And Xavier Raphael from Idaho State to Arizona State. But there's two guys that hopped in the portal yesterday at the receiver position beyond the Oklahoma State players, two guys that very much could be targets for Oklahoma. We'll tell you about them next. Top five stories of the day coming up at 1130 right here on The Ref. Every so often I'll see a really good question in the portal, something that I've been asking myself. Wait. Every so often I'll see a really good question on the text line Usually it's about the portal, and maybe we don't have time to get to it on the air, so I'll reply to it here. But I, I replied to this one, and, oh, geez, I replied to the wrong text. Sorry, I just replied to the wrong text message. Can I delete it? Well, that, are you sure you want to delete Yes, delete it. Sorry, sorry, I, I re- this stupid. You've, you've already sent it. You've already sent it. It's, it's on its Can't way. Can't delete it once it's been sent? Okay. Um, well, I guess it has been. So the question had been asked. <laughs> I suck. No take. Someone had asked, didn't Deshaun White and Braden Willis have a COVID year? And I I had to reply with, 
and I think I accidentally replied to Johnny or uh, someone not named Johnny. So I'm I'm sorry. This thing hops around on us quite a bit, but I don't think so. I mean, I honestly, my my understanding was when you looked at the end of the year roster for the Sooners, they had people that were listed as redshirt seniors. They had people that were listed as 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 fifth year grad, and everyone kind of did it differently, right? Everyone kind of had their own way of listing who was who, and so you had redshirt fifth year, which was five dudes, and it was or four dudes, excuse me, Justin Broyles, Michael Turk, Casey Kelleher, and Robert Conjol. Then you had a whole group of redshirt senior guys that it was kind of hit or miss whether or not they had another year. Uh, that group included, you know, John Alula, Jake Stoops was in that mix, and both of them seemed to be coming back, C.J. Colton, Justin Harrington. But then you even had a whole nother group as far as how they were listed on the roster that was, um, that was what, seniors? Fifth years, fifth years. And those fifth years included Trey Morrison, Braden Willis, Daniel Parker, Deshaun White, Chris Murray, and Jeffrey Johnson. And I thought, much like Johnny did, that those guys had another year, but I guess they did not. Regardless, we've seen the announcements everywhere. Based on what I'm looking at just here, you know, kind of like digging into a little bit of what Deshaun White's bio says to us, right? There was never a redshirt year taken. So with that in mind, you got the COVID year back this season. Right. And the eligibility expired because he had used four years. Yeah, and I that that's kind of because then it becomes well. Didn't he lo- use his red shirt year? Like I, he's he's turning pro. <laughs> I don't think we. But I I hear what you're saying because I've been as confused as anyone trying to figure it out. Uh, then the the um, question that was asked that I accidentally uh, replied to from the nine one eight is is a good one. Will any of the OU players in the portal come back? Okay. Um, who do you want to come back? I mean, names like Clayton Smith, Joshua Eaton, Jordan Mukes, Alton Tarber, Bray Walker, Bryson Washington, Ralph Rucker, Kamonte Henry, Brian Darby, Trayvon West, Jackson Sumlin, Josh Ellison, maybe Josh Ellison, who played in the bowl game. Bray Walker was suited up, didn't play. Ralph Rucker was suited up, didn't play. I mean, of those names that we know that are in the portal, I mean, is there someone that maybe Alton Tarver just so you can yeah. see what he develops into? But if he's already in the portal after one season, then and, and he hasn't gone anywhere, doesn't that kind of tell you everything you need to know? Or am I being too short sighted on this? Ellison and Tarver, sure, you'd take back probably just from a yeah. depth standpoint at uh, defensive tackle where you could use some help. Maybe, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, one, one more quick text, and I want to get to these two guys that entered the portal yesterday that I think are going to be a fascinating watch. Sooner Soldier writes, what is the situation with Dylan Gabriel? What is he going? To, what is it going to accomplish with holding what your decision is? It's not like he is Baker and everybody is waiting impatiently, but yet what is the big deal with him not saying if he is staying or leaving? Honestly, a lot of fans don't care one way or the other. Just make a decision already. Boomer. Well... I think this gets into one of Ted's favorite times of the year, which is 
like announcement season whenever it's like, why are you making an announcement? I think Gabe referred to it as graphics season. <laughs> Which, by the way, by the way, Josh, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, we had a, we have made contact with Miles at Miles M Creations. Really? So, yeah, yeah. You have? Someone had made him aware. Yeah. Now, we were talking about him on the show the other day and how awesome his work is. Oh, well, yeah. No, so, he's great. No doubt. Is You never know. You know what you could do, too, Miles? Would you say turn this into, like, a career? Was it Hayes Fawcett? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's that's you, 100% how he got his start. And now, look, he's one of the most powerful folks in uh, recruiting, right? Because he has, you know, access to these guys making decisions. He's got the info. Yeah. Info is power. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, it's And he's really good at it. So maybe, maybe Miles already has Dylan Gabriel's uh, maybe he already has his graphic ready to go. Maybe he already has the graphic for Marvin Mims ready to go. Maybe this is just a, a matter of Dylan wanting to do something announcement-wise that is a little bit bigger. I don't think by any means that the coaching staff is concerned about his future as an Oklahoma Sooner. But... I'm not always 100% good with things until, like, either they tell me or they're back on campus. That makes sense. I love a commitment, and I love celebrating it more than anyone else, and I love the buzz that's building around guys. You're like, hey, they're going to be great. They're committed to us, or he said he's coming back. But I'm usually one of those guys that will feel a little bit better when I'm out there to spring practice and they're all out there. I feel good about Gabriel sticking around. Not necessarily too um, positive about Marvin Mims coming back for another year, but I will say this: I uh, I think we differ a bit. I I think there's there should be more excitement about Gabriel coming back. I think he's got a chance to really have a big time year, and in doing so, you've got a young guy that could use a year to learn. Jackson Arnold. I mean, I I think Jackson Arnold's a rock star, but. I mean, those again, those true freshmen that play are few and far between. I mean, the one we had here two years ago now won the Heisman Trophy. You know, they, Baker played as a true freshman at Texas Tech as a walk-on, won the Heisman Trophy. I mean, it's it you got you got to be pretty special. It's a pretty big challenge. I'm not saying that that he's not, but I also would like it to be a situation where Jackson Arnold can have a year. This is me. Though in the world of, of Portal, right, it's like, get him out there if you can. <laughs> how are you? Josh, how do you? All right, so before I get to these receivers, I don't think that Jackson Arnold just sits all year next year. Do you? I, I think he'll get a, you know, look, right now he's going to be the bona fide, sure. no doubt, backup. So from that standpoint, sure. no, he's, he's, back. Not, he's not going to sit. So basically just putting this on Dylan Gabriel staying healthy. How do you, fancy word here, matriculate him into the lineup? Now, there is a chance that we get to spring ball and you're like, oh, OS, this is that guy. Yeah, and he's just better and we're going to play him. Right. I mean, there, there is that chance. There is that chance. 
but let's just say that this kind of plays out like we think it it should, would, and will. Um, I mean, it, it's more than just throwing him in in blowout situations, right? Do you have maybe a? Because to me, I think Jackson. One of the great debates about him is: Do you list him as a pro style quarterback or a dual threat? And Jeff Levy told me on the signing day show that there is no question he is a dual threat quarterback. So do you maybe have a set package for him that you run a couple times a game? Um, I mean, is it is it then surely that you don't want to use him? I mean, I just – I think that's going to be one of the more interesting storylines is when, how, and, and to what extent they use Jackson Arnold. Am I making too much of this? No, I think it's an interesting question. Do do you do you almost get a little scared though of having him, you know, take meaningful snaps from a backup standpoint in the off chance that something happens to him injury wise, and then oh by the way, then an injury sure. happens to Dylan Gabriel, and all of a sudden you don't have the backup quarterback that you wish you had at backup quarterback. I don't know. Probably that's a dangerous you know world to live in where you're scared to play somebody right I mean I think probably you just put your best foot forward and if you if if Arnold can help you in any capacity even a five snaps a game capacity probably that's the route you go right you don't live in the world of being afraid yeah. of somebody getting hurt but uh yeah no that's gonna be interesting to to watch how they how they handle all of that with Dylan Gabriel too the the question of or not not a question the comment of you know hey just get the the decision over with already why should we care that much I mean have we considered that it's it's been a little bit of a step up from Dylan Gabriel from UCF to Oklahoma, and he might improve quite a bit next season, the fact that he's played one Power 5 season now? You're kind of preaching to a choir here on that, Josh. You're kind of preaching to a choir on that front. And he was good Josh, this year, by the it's way. Go- right. And he's learned a lot. Guy's a sharp kid, very laid back dude. But to the taking a full circle to the original point, yeah, I don't know what the holdup is. I don't. And I, I had someone tell me that they they worry about some of the advice that he's getting. I've had someone else tell me that he's been committed to coming back for a long time. So, you know, you, you, you go with whatever you believe. But um, I tend to think that he's on his way back to Oklahoma. Now, before we break and get to the top five stories of the day. I was doing my typical dig through the latest names in the portal. And two things jumped out and caught my eye. Number one, yesterday, Andrew Anthony, a wide receiver for Michigan, had entered his name into the transfer portal. And here's what caught my eye. I was looking at the On3 portal, and he's – I don't know if On3 does crystal balls or whatever the term they use, but – there is a percentage that has him going to OU. It's a split between Pitt and OU. Now, by the way, if Pitt gets both uh, Andrew Anthony and um, oh, why am I Cephas, the, Dante uh, the Cephas. other Dante Cephas, thank you. That's a pretty good get. But Anthony, 6'2", 185, was a three star out of uh, out of Florida. Of course, of all the things they don't have here right in front of my face, this is actual where he's from. Who cares? Three-star guy, but it become a, a, a pretty solid wide receiver in Michigan. Ah, East Lansing, Michigan. I was close. Florida, Michigan, virtual neighbors. Jeez. But 
a big get and had done some nice things at Michigan. Third name in the portal, which is again why now Michigan's rumors about coaching changes and Jim Harbaugh being a candidate at places like Carolina and, and maybe Denver, this might become a little bit more common out of out of Michigan right now. Maybe even at the quarterback position. But Andrew Anthony in the portal. But the one that really caught my eye was the J. Michael Sturdivant entry into the portal. Now, this was a guy that Oklahoma had offered. He was, I think if you look back, probably a surprise that he ended up at Cal. This was a guy that was a top 20 recruit in Texas. And, yes, I'm going against all the things that I usually talk about uh, or want to talk about with transfers. But 6'4", 185. If if Oklahoma is still after a wide receiver in the portal, and it appears that's the case, man, Josh, I don't know about you, but I think J. Michael Sturdivant, Highland Village, Texas, in a in an offense that had struggled throwing the football, he was still one of their top receivers, nearly a thousand yards last year, seven touchdowns. You know, this is a dude that I think could be a name worth keeping an eye on and a heck of a fit, too. And again, I think, you know, the beautiful thing about the transfer portal is still a couple of slots left. Gives you a couple more opportunities to maybe take a a couple of chances out there in the transfer portal at a position of need for Oklahoma, which wide receiver is that? When do we think we're going to get a Mims and Gabriel decision? I mean, it's got to be quick, right? Sometime soon. Great question. You, you would think it'd be somewhat soon. You know, what the um, I was just, it was funny that you mentioned that because I was just looking as to when the NFL date was to, to truly declare yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like the right before the, the, the week before the, the AFC and NFC championship game. So, I, I just got to tell you something, Josh. I'm not feeling too – Monday, June uh, – January 16th. So it's even closer than that. Monday, January 16th. So you are – we're 11 days away from the declaration date for players that are underclassmen to declare. So if Marvin's going to declare, he at least has to make a decision in the next 11 days. If Dylan Gabriel's going to declare – which I just I, I think is a long shot. He's got to make a decision in the next eleven days, and you know we we mentioned it a lot on the show today. You've seen C.J. Colton, Deshaun White, Jeffrey Johnson, and Braden Willis put their names in, but I, I don't know, Josh. I don't know what a timing looks like on that front. I don't know. I, I I'd be willing to bet that coaches would like it to be made sooner rather than later. So if and I'm sure they have a good feel, right? Don't you feel like these coaches have a good feel about whether or not a guy is staying or going at this point? I would hope so, yeah. And Oklahoma needs to know that information because the uh, this transfer portal window, it's getting skinny on the hourglass, right? And sure. so you need to know right. what these decisions look like from a roster construction standpoint. Who, who do we need to go get? But I think Oklahoma staff has a pretty good idea, and the wide receiver offers are a pretty clear indication that they feel like – you know, whether or not Mims is back, even if he's back, they feel like they need help. Andrew Anthony, by the way, 
uh, not a not a guy that when you see his name brought up in the portal is going to wow you too much with his numbers. Only 19 catches in two seasons for uh, 328 yards and four scores. Only uh, had seven catches this year. Uh, that's the Michigan transfer. But J. Michael Sturdivant, in an offense that's not really a throwing offense, after not playing in 21, bro, he had a, he had a pretty good year. So two other names to potentially keep an eye on for Oklahoma at receiver in the transfer portal as we wait and wait on the decision of Dylan Gabriel and more specifically at that wide receiver position, Marvin Mims. Quick break. When we come back, top five stories of the day brought to you by Newcastle Casino right here on The Ref. This is this is hilarious to me, these last three tweets. We're going to... We're going to do a mini version of the top five stories today to wrap up the show next. I'm going to actually get a full final segment in. These are the last three tweets that have been sent to the show, our texts that have been sent to the show. Why are people so worried about a Dylan Gabriel decision? He's already a Sooner and he has eligibility left. Where TF would he go? There's no holdup. There's no decision to be made. Y'all are just trolling me with the decision with the D word now. Okay. Have you talked to him? There absolutely is opportunities for him. Though, I would say any move right now would be viewed as a a step down in the transfer portal. right? Dylan Gabriel going to jump in the portal to go back to UCF or something? I mean, no. I'm with you. I don't feel like there is a decision to be made for Dylan. I think he's made it. But I don't necessarily know who he's talking to and what's going on around him. Now, I will say... As a handful of you have pointed out, he did just retweet the fact that his center from UCF, Matt Lee, is in town. Matthew Lee, uh, 6'4", big kid, has played center the last couple of years at UCF. And keep in mind, Conjol came in as a center, too, and maybe he's a guy they feel like got good size. They can move around a little bit, so add another name to the players on the offensive line that Oklahoma appears to be in on here late in the portal. Caleb Schaefer uh, did tweet that he was in Norman out of Miami of Ohio, Walter Rouse out of Stanford, and now Matthew Lee out of UCF offensive lineman in town today. And if you're wanting to know a little bit more, I just happened to pull up the old UCF game notes on Matthew Lee. Uh, Not a lot of stats to be found, Josh Helmer. On an offensive lineman, I don't know if you know that or not. <laughs> yeah, but you're you're saying they don't keep pancake blocks pub- publicly. I, I'm just here to tell you that as far as these notes are concerned, I'm not finding a lot about Matthew Lee and any uh, pancake blocks or solid plays that he had made. Which, by the way, this is a good moment to jump in and say, let's start doing that as a football right. society. It would really help me in some of these offensive line stories that I write just to have, like, one extra sentence on offensive line statistics. So if we could start keeping that, it would be very much appreciated. 6'4", 295, a redshirt junior. Um, pretty solid-looking dude. He's got a couple of other offers out there. Uh, he's out of OV, Ovidio, Florida. So there's another name on the – portal list to keep an eye on on the, the offensive line transfer portal bingo board there we go that's right um yeah and that's right oh you optimist no eligibility left for conjol 
with Andrew Rank. Well, and, and when you say, but Oklahoma needs another center, I agree. But as far as the guys they're bringing in, one of the offensive line, I'm just blanking on his name right Josh, now. Joshua the, Bates. Joshua Bates, thank you. Joshua Bates is a true center. So you're bringing in a true freshman that I know no one wants to play true freshman on the offensive line. But when you're like, man, they need depth at center, they're bringing in a dude that has played center his whole life. And that's been essentially you know, his position from day one, which is, which is rare whenever it comes to the offensive line. Uh, here's a couple of other good ones on the Dylan Gabriel conversation. DG should not be entertaining the NFL. He's not on that level. Uh, one from Guy from Geyer. I agree with the texter. DG is coming back. No reason to keep rehashing it. 405. Dylan is an NFL backup quarterback, not a starter. And true, the fact that OU is not digging in the portal tells us that they feel good about the quarterback position. I pretty, pretty much said that the whole time. People ask questions. We answer questions. I don't think you should be panicking that he hasn't mentioned it yet or, or had a major announcement here in graphic season. But until they are out on the field at spring ball or starting the season, I'm always one of those, we sure they're here? We sure they're playing? That's just me. All right, we'll do a mini version of the top five stories of the day next. It's been a fun show. Um, not necessarily a lot of fighting like we typically have. So it's been a good, calm show, even though there's been some debate on crowds. We'll hear from Porter Moser next right here on The Ref. All right, so a couple of quick things here. We've had great news today on Damar Hamlin. Uh, he is able to grip hands, and he uh, is, is conscious. They're worried about lung damage, and he's still critically ill. But, Josh, just to kind of get the real-world stuff in here first, it looks like everything has been good news on DeMar Hamlin, right? It definitely seems like it's trending in a, a positive direction. Now, you hear that uh, word or phrase, I should say, critically ill still. That's, right. you know, obviously big-time uh, attention grabber the other direction too. But, you know, the reports we're getting is that, yes, it's it's trending in a positive direction. And, you know, what a powerful moment that had to be for DeMar Hamlin's family to to see him physically respond like that. I can't even imagine the types of emotions that his family has gone through, the roller coaster these past several days. So just, man, continued thoughts and prayers there. Hopefully, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we get uh, to a point to where we get to report the news we all want to report, which is Hamlin's truly, truly on the mend. So here's a couple of notes now because, you know, in the in, in that world of, hey, life goes on, right? I, I know that sounds brutal to say, but it, it does. The current information that Pro Football Talk is reporting about what they're going to do with playoff seeding in games. Bills and Bengals will not happen. They're not going to try to play it again. The NFL is currently figuring out how to configure the AFC playoffs without that game. There has even been a theory floated that an eighth team could be added to eliminate the bye week for the one seed. What did you think of the theory we were listening to from Matt Hasselback over the break, Josh, that the one and two seeds get a choice? You're either the one seed uh, and you get the bye, Wait, how do they put it? 
you either get the buy or you get home field advantage throughout. Right. That and, uh, basically you would get to choose. You, you either yeah. take getting the bye week or you, you take home field, and then the two seed would get the opposite. Uh, my thoughts on it, honestly, I, I guess the more I think about it, I'm sort of indifferent to it. There's just not going to be a solution that makes everybody happy in this situation from a, a fan's perspective. And, and the bottom line is this. Obviously, DeMar Hamlin's health is the most important piece of the entire puzzle. So this is just the unfortunate you know, biz, uh, the business and football side mm-hmm. of the equation is that the game not being completed, yeah, there's a lot of tentacles to it, right? In the sense that, you know, the, the one team that I haven't heard mentioned a lot in all of this plank is, you know, the Ravens had a chance to win the division. And that's now not on the table for them because the game the nope. game didn't get played. So uh, how do I feel about it? I don't know that I love it. I don't know that I hate it, right, the idea of having the choice between either home field or the bye. But that's just probably one of the unfortunate uh, realities from a football standpoint of this. Meanwhile, last night, tough one for the Sooners as they fall at home to Iowa State. Here was Porter afterwards. Porter Moser, you had basketball coach talking about the frustration of the game. In my head, I keep echoing. I mentioned the word inches. I can just just be hearing Al Pacino talk about finding that inch. We're two games in a row. Got to find an inch. You're one possession. In a a two-hour game, you're one possession against two top 15, 16, and then a top 25 team. I could just hear, you know, just thinking, you got to find that inch. And um, that's what we got to keep pushing for that inch. You know, we got to keep pushing. And uh, um, I thought the first half was a tale of two stories. It was the stories of one group um, defended as poor as a team that I've seen defend. And then we made some subs and we had some energy. And then we flipped it, went on a 20 0 run. Got the ball out, the ball was moving. Um, and I thought those they showed tremendous resiliency being down 17 to fight. So I love the fight in our group. Got to get dubs. I know he knows that. And OU will try to get back on track this week. And big announcement, Josh Helmer, tomorrow morning on the Plank Show, Patty Gasso will join us at 930. I'll see if I can't even talk, Coach, to come in, in studio. We'll clean the place up a bit. Love it. Hey, have a great rest of your Thursday. You For too, Josh buddy. Helmer, I'm Chris Plank. Check out... See you, buddy. CavinsConstruction.com. Check them out now. CavinsConstruction.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Steelman and Thune at noon next.